An unintentional life accepts everything and does nothing. An intentional life embraces only the things that would add to the mission of significance. That is a quote by John C. Maxwell. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to episode 117. The topic of this week's episode is Goals Are the Scoreboard. My guest this week is Ryan Bennett. Ryan is an author, speaker, and founder of The Intentional Day. He guides people to be more intentional with their lives, businesses, and teams. Taking what he learned from both his failures and successes, he teaches others how living intentionally is the only real way to turn failures into successes. He's also created a formula for growth called the Intentional Growth Model. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to Trina Talk. Hey, Trina. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you for being here. Um, You're a guy after my own heart because I'm a techie. (laughs) I know you're a techie, but you're also an author and a speaker, and you're the founder of The Intentional Day. And I, I want to get into all of that and what that means and what you're doing today. But tell the listeners, aside from that, who exactly are you and how did you come to be the Ryan that you are today? Yeah, well, well thank you for having me on the show. Uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm a husband and a soon-to-be father here out of Kansas City. So that's really who I am um, and how I became the Ryan Bennett that maybe you read on a bio or whatever, it was actually, you know, uh, through some failures and eating a big old slice of humble pie. And um, so I got my start. Basically, I had a, uh, a successful college baseball career and I was looking at what was next after my playing days are over. And I, I wanted to channel my competitiveness in, into something else. And so I really got into technology. Um, I got excited about it. So I decided I was going to do an internet startup company. And so I'm back in Kansas City now, and, I, and I'm trying to form a team, trying to raise money, trying to, to get the thing off the ground. And I realized at that time, Kansas City didn't have the same entrepreneurial scene and ecosystem it does today, and that I needed to go where, where people were playing the game at a different level. So I packed up a U-Haul, moved out to Silicon Valley, and planted you know, in a house off of Craigslist. And over two and a half years, I recruited a team, raised a little bit of money, and unfortunately became a statistic. And I had to let my team go, shut down the business, and move back home on fumes. So I'm completely, completely empty. I lost all my money. And at that time, I, I didn't really understand. I didn't fail much. And I didn't understand how to cope with that. And I kept on seeing myself as, as a failure and not that my business didn't make it. And it took me a little bit to figure this out, but as I reflected on the experience, I kind of realized that the mindset and the discipline 
and the motivation that made me successful on the baseball field, I needed to apply that same exact thing to my professional world. And unfortunately, the failed business is what led me to understand that. And at that moment, I started to really study personal and professional development. I started seeking out mentors and uh, mastermind groups and really start to study what is professional development? What is leadership? What do, what is success in my own mind? And that sort of formed, that was like the clay that's forming the person that you're, that, that I'm, that I am today. Wow. I love what you're saying. And I particularly like what you said about you didn't know what failing was, you know, cause you were an athlete, you were competitive and just take me through that. How, how did that feel starting that business? Cause I'm pretty sure just like anyone else, you start this business, you're thinking, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to be successful at it. And then it didn't happen. Tell me what that did to you. Oh, I mean, it broke me. Um, and, and so you go into it, right? I, I, I wasn't, I played baseball. So I understood, you know, if you fail seven out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer. Like I understood that and I knew how to kind of get back at it, but I understood the game. I knew how to win the game. And what I realized when I failed, I didn't understand how to win the game of business and the game of life. And the problem was that when, when that failed, that broke me where I was, I mean, I was devastated and I felt like a failure and I was disappointed and I put on, you know, probably 15 to 20 pounds. I started to, um, you know, go, go have drink, too many drinks with the buddies at the bar, watching football, started dating girls I shouldn't date. And one day I just, I kind of just looked at myself in the mirror and realized that like, this is not the, the all American you were five years ago. What is going on? You need to wake up. You need to like figure out what you're going to do. And I had to kind of kick myself in the butt to get myself moving to start to figure out what is this? What, how do I achieve success in the professional world as well? And so that was kind of that, that, that time period where I was in my parents' basement at age 27 while all my friends were, were getting promotion at their job and kind of figuring out who I actually am. And unfortunately, everything had to be ripped out of me for me to understand who, what, what I, who I am as a core of a person. Who do I want to become 5, 10, 20 years from now? Mm. And how did you do that? And I love what you say about who you really are and you had to figure that out and you had to pull everything out. How did you do that? And what did you come down to? I mean, how did you get down to the nitty gritty and say, okay, this is who I, Ryan, am? I think there's a mix there. Um, ultimately, it comes down, for me at least, ultimately it comes down to my faith. Uh, I'm a Christian. And so that it comes down to my, to my core uh, of what I believe in God and in Jesus. But but the the other side of that is is understanding who who do I want to be? Where do I intentionally want to go five, 10 years from now? How do I get there? What does that look like? And for me, that's when I kind of started to to focus my attention on, well, who's doing life at a better level than I am? Who has has success? There, there has to be some breadcrumbs here. So I started studying mentors. I started reading books. I started reading autobiographies. I started studying what success looked like. I started studying John Wooden stuff and Jim Rome stuff and, um, you know, I read about autobiographies, a bunch of successful people who had go, both good personal lives and professional lives and started to figure out, I started to culminate and, and, and find out a, a process of growth that I coined, that I've now coined the intentional growth model. 
And for me, it was the idea and the understanding that you can learn all that you want. You can learn YouTube videos and books and classrooms and all this stuff. But until you do applied action to it, or what I call disciplines, you're not going to grow. And so once I started figuring out that formula, I started to apply that to my personal life. And around that same time, I was approached to, to join another, uh, to be a founding team member of another startup company. So I was really pumped because now I finally get to get back into it. I get a paycheck, which I haven't had in a while. So that was amazing. <laughs> um, and I now get to take this approach to growth that I kind of studied and I get to now apply it again to another startup. And uh, that really is how I kind of figured out who I was as a core of a person is, is start to do trial and error, start to really study what does this look like and understand of, of dreaming who I actually wanted to become. Mm. And I love the intentional growth model. I love that name because I similarly like you have done a lot of that inner self work and mentors reading and like you said, really breaking it down of who you are what you want to do, who you want to be, how success is for you. And seems like, I don't know, of late, a lot of times people are saying, yeah, intentional, intentional, intentional. For people who are listening, exactly what does that mean? It's to me, is to have a point of where you're going. I, I, don't, I don't care if you want to be the best rodeo clown in the world. I, I just want you to be intentional and go do it. That's what it is for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how, what do you tell people when they say, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm being intentional in my life, but nothing is going the way that I hope it was to go. What do you tell those people? Well, I, I think it, it, I think there's two, two parts to this question. And one of the things that I I've kind of studied is that people will set goals and we've heard of smart goals. We we've always, it's new year's, you know, it was just here. Uh, and we set goals. The reality is, and what science will tell us, is that only 8% of people actually achieve those goals. So 92% of the people who say, I'm being intentional, but I'm not getting where I'm going, possibly, have set goals, but they have not completed the the growth formula. Because goals just look at the outcome. It's just the scoreboard. It does not take into effect and account the person you have to become to achieve those goals. What intentional actions are you putting in developing yourself? What habits are you developing? What disciplines are you developing yourself to actually be able to achieve that goal? So that they, they've set goals, but they don't know how to get there because they haven't become the person good enough to achieve that goal. The other part of that is, is that when they say they're, they're being intentional, but they're just not getting it, the, the reality is, is, is there's, there's a piece of this of, of have you actually stopped and dreamed or what neuroscience would call visualization? Have you actually thought of in detail what this future looks like? And have you actually put pieces in place to get there? Or are you just, are you just kind of wishing that you say, well, I wish one day I'll have this, or I wish I could be a millionaire. I wish I had the freedom to leave my job and, and go do this, right? That's like, I'm being intentional towards there because I'm investing in my 401k and I'm doing all this stuff. Okay. That, that's good, but that's not, that's not actually being intentional actions. Intentional actions are day in and day out stuff that you need to do to develop yourself so in five years, you can leave that job. Or in three years, you have a side business that you can now go full time on. Mm, very interesting. And I love the comparison of intentional and wishing because I think many people get it mixed up. They'll say, 
oh, I am being intentional. But like you say, they're sitting back and they're going, oh, I wish I had a better job or I wish this, I wish that. But they're not actually taking the steps to get them to where they want to go. Yeah. And I can, I can probably guess as, as your background as, as ex-military and thank you for your service, but you guys are, you guys are just trained to be rigorous and disciplined and self-motivated. Right. And, and so for you, I'm, I'm guessing it becomes second nature to start achieving these goals, but for the average person like myself and the rest of us, we may have never been modeled that behavior. We may have no idea what it actually looks like to get up at 5 a.m. and have an intense morning that, that has reading and has working out and you're eating right before your day starts. We, we may never have gotten used to that. And so what, what, when, I, when I coach people, when I hear things like, oh, I'm being intentional towards that, it's more of like I'm wishing I am that, but I'm getting up at 7.30, I'm rushing to work at 8, and then I'm putting on the TV at night when I get home. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's not going to get you there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now let's talk about um, your model and and thank you for your support um, as far as the military is concerned. Now you actually have the intentional growth model. Do you want to go into some details of exactly what that is? Sure. We'll hit it briefly um, because I don't want to bog the audience down in all the details here today. But um, so the intentional growth model is really simple to understand, but it's powerful. So it's knowledge plus discipline equals growth. Well, knowledge can be a lot of things. We learn in classrooms, we uh, read a book. Um, Knowledge can also be awareness pieces. So we have awareness from personality assessment, awareness from um, a 360 review from our boss, our colleagues, right? Those are things that we've learned that we now know that we're aware of. But what we find is that most people will stop there. The reality is you're not going to grow from that until you actually do applied actions or what I call daily disciplines or creating positive habits. And so once you have that awareness and that learning, okay, now what am I going to do differently next time? And how do I build that habit into my life or that discipline in my life to now never do that again? And that is what leads to growth. And so that's the intentional growth model. And that's kind of the basis of my book um, and how I approach all my teaching and coachings is around that formula. Oh, wow. Okay. So your clients, when you coach them, who, who is your ideal client? Who's coming to you saying, Ryan, I need your help. Um, my ideal client, which I think is different than maybe who comes right. to me, but yeah, like I get a little bit other people, but what I want to work with is driven, competitive, coachable people. If they're not, they don't want to be perform at their top level if they're not dr- driven to go do it and they're not coachable, like I don't really want to work with you. Um, there's other outfits. It's for you. You can go and watch some of my courses, watch some other stuff, but like this, that's not really what I'm about. That's not what fulfills me and you won't get the most out of it. And so that's who I like to work with driven, coachable and competitive people. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're looking for people who are ready to put in the work, not just talk, but actually oh. ready to get into it, roll their sleeves up, hike their boots, their pant legs up and say, okay, I'm ready to walk through it. Trina, it's, a, it's amazing. Like even in the uh, text, the texting that, that I was in, I'm not sure if you have the same experience, but you know, I'll go to some of these networking meetings and trying to meet new people. And I was in Silicon Valley or even in Kansas city. And you start to see the same faces. 
and you hear the same story. They're doing the same thing. You go back six months later and they're still in the same exact spot doing the same exact thing, going to the same events. And, and you just realize that there's, there's very few people out there that are doers. Most people are just talkers because it's way easier to show up and tell a story you're going to do and actually put your head down, work 16 hours a day and actually do it. It's, it's much harder to do that piece. And so I want people who are willing to put the work in and I get to be a guide to help them along it, but I don't have to be somebody pulling at them, lugging at them, pushing them up the ladder. I, I just get to put my arm around somebody and walk with them and guide them. And that's way more for both of us. We both get something out of that. Mm-hmm. Now, are you working with only, let's say, corporate professionals or will you work with anyone? So could a housewife call you and say, I need your help? Yeah, it's. So actually, I, I, I try to be intentional about my niche, and <laughs> I try to focus on ex-college athletes, actually. Okay. And, okay. and so once the identity of an athlete is over, it's, re- it's actually quite of a hard transition to make of who am I now, and how do I now take that competitive itch and, and drive somewhere else with it? And so a lot of my, a lot of people are ex-college athletes, so I have a mastermind group for them and some other stuff. I do do corporate accounts. I have a leadership academy for some corporate accounts uh, for next level leaders. Um, and so I have some other stuff because obviously the businesses pay really good money uh, mm-hmm. for people like you and I. But um, if my heart was, if it was hard only, it would be ex-college athletes. And that's very interesting. And I, I guess that's good because like you're saying, once they are done playing whatever the sport they have been playing, they may feel a little Loss or defeated of, okay, what do I do now? Because most collegiate athletes have been athletes all their lives because that's a, a level that is something that you work at. It's not something that you just wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'm going to go play collegiate sports. That's something that you have worked at all your life. So when they stop, I guess it is something that they're looking for how to get to the next level. Yeah. And what, what I have found from that is, is, in, like ex-college athletes are really employable because they know how to be with the team. They know how to take direction. They're usually coachable. They are usually on time places because they had a run if they weren't, you know, like, so they, they kind of have some of the habits that you really want to hire. So what I found is a lot of the ex-college athletes do have good jobs. They do good co-professions. The, the challenge is that the other areas of their life, they have not leveled up on and they're mm-hmm. not reaching their high potential of this because th- there's no one modeling it or they're just confused of how to do it because their whole life has been so dedicated and so focused on that sport and be the highest level they possibly get that sport that, that when that's taken away, they can still operate really well professionally, but the other areas of life, they, they just need, they need some guidance. They need some help. They need some, uh, they need, they really need to kind of go through what, what I have gone through, which is like, who am I really am now? Now that the identity of an athlete is stripped off of me, who am I? Who do I want to be? And how do I intentionally start to get where I want to go five years from now? Mm-hmm. And how long did it take you to come to that conclusion? So for me, that was like the, um, it was probably just a few months, uh, a few hard months there in between uh, the failed startup and then getting recruited away to join another startup. Um but I think that that journey actually was a few years in the making where I started to really culminate who I am. And I started to actually put the formula in place. I started actually growing. And, you know, probably 18 months ago, I started seeing some results of like, oh, okay, I do have a different mindset here. Oh, okay. Um, and so that's sort of 
what it was for me and and what led me to kind of get there was really turning off the TV at night and picking up a book. Mm-hmm. That for me was the hardest thing for me to do, but I knew how important it was. And to develop that habit was really hard, but um, I did it. And now my, my wife and I don't watch TV during the weekday. We read and we just have cultivate this family lifestyle that's centered around learning and reading. And so um, I can see the fruit of it now that started to work 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, before you were intentional in doing these things, do you think you were doing this before, but you just didn't recognize it? So I think I was doing this before on the baseball field. Okay. And so what I mean by that is like in the baseball field, I would take notes on what pitches the, the pitchers would throw me. I would watch film of my swing. I would, if I made an error, a physical error in the infield, I would have the coach hit me ground balls in the same spot over and over and over. And so what I realized and how I kind of came up with my formula was like, I realized that what I was actually doing was I was having awareness and knowledge of what I did wrong. And then I would basically take ground balls and go to the batting cage and fix my, my air. And I would hit, which means, you know, creating the discipline to do that, which allowed me then to, to incrementally increase to a very high level in the collegiate area. And so I was, that's where I sort of learned that was from the baseball world. It took a failed business for me to make that translation to the professional world. And so now what I get to do is I get to take ex-college athletes or people in the professional corporate world as well. And I get to kind of teach them how that looks like in their own professional lives and, and where they want to go and the process of which to get there. Mm. Now, aside from your failed business, what other failures have you experience that you have overcame to get you to where you are today? Um, that's a good question. Um, well, I think it goes back to my college playing days and even before there. So I'm only uh, five foot seven and my, you know, that's really short for college baseball. I think I made them the, the shortest division one college baseball player in the whole nation. And so for me, Growing up, it was always really, really hard to get on teams. No one would want to be on my. No one would want, want me have on their team. They would look at me and put try to put me in a in a box that they would not accept. I even had as the recruiting process happened. You know, I had college coaches I looked up to would tell me I would, I don't have the skills to play college baseball. Like give it up, give it up, mm-hmm. give it up. And and I didn't want to believe that. That wasn't the truth I was going to believe. Like if if I did everything I possibly could. And no one would take a chance on me. And I tried a little bit harder and I still wouldn't. Then maybe I would give it up. But I, until I get to the point where I could look at myself in the mirror and be proud of, of what I, the effort I put in, I wasn't willing to give up. And so I think that ingrained in me that, that idea that, at least in the baseball world, of, of failure is not really a thing. Like, I'm not going to accept that. I'm just going to keep on moving, keep on getting better, keep on moving, keep on getting better. And, you know, as I, as I entered the business world, I lost that sight for a few years and eventually got that back. Now I take that same kind of mindset and we talk about the, the, the next company that I helped found. And over seven years, we took just an idea that had a patent on it. We built multiple products, raised million dollars of venture capital investment. And now fortune 500 companies are using it every day. But in that journey, right in that short story, there is most of the time we're underwater. I mean, there's times that we didn't, we didn't get, take paychecks. There was times that we weren't going to make it. We've had hard conversations with my, uh, the, the, the business leaders and I about like, like, should we actually shut the doors? 
And, and all along that piece is like, okay, can we look on our, are we at the point where we can look at ourselves in the mirror and know that we did everything we possibly could. And along that way was like, no, we really haven't. We can try this. We can do this. And eventually, you know, the acceleration, the momentum caught up to us and we ended up getting on some Volvo trucks and some other stuff. And all of a sudden now, you know, we raise millions of dollars and, and our fortune 500 clients are buying our product all the time. And so that, that process of just keep on going and keep on looking yourself in the mirror and see, okay, did I give it at all yet? Did I give it my all yet? Did I give it all my all yet? That's sort of what I learned from growing up and then what I've learned kind of in the professional world now. Wow. I love that story. That's great. And that's a great segue for our questions. Are you ready? <laughs> Let me get a drink of water. Then I am. <laughs> Your rapid fire is going to get me. You don't have okay. to be too rapid, but it, it, <laughs> I mean, you already fine. know I talk fast, so I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> You'll be fine. Who or what motivates you? Uh, I am motivated. I am. I am scared to live an average life. Mm. So I am motivated to, to do something special in the world and leave my mark in the world. What demotivates you? Um, lack of accountability. Um, laziness. Those things demotivate me. Okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good? Um, I actually think it was ironically the story I just kind of shared about when I was, you know, eighth grade or, high, or a freshman or something. And, and the college coaches told me I couldn't play college baseball. And I think what it did, what it, it, it ignited a fire in me to prove them wrong, ignited a work ethic that I didn't have before. And it, and it took that work ethic to get where I needed to go. Hmm. What is your fear? Uh, living an average life and snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> no, I'm there with you on the snakes. I, I hate them too. <laughs> I told my wife, I was like, if you see a little tiny garden snake, like I'm out of there. Like you're on your own. I am, I'm sprinting away. I was like, I can handle spiders, but snakes. Nope. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I tell people, I'm, I'm like, I'll fight a grizzly bear before I come up on a snake. And oh, I, I already know how that's going to turn <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll be dead next to each other, Trina. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh, yes, I'm sure there is. Um, I think, I think uh, one of my principles I try to live by is accelerate the point of failure. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, that's like I will avoid conflict and I'll avoid hard conversations. And for me, I think... Uh, one of the, one of the things I wish I would have done sooner is, is have harder conversation, have those boundary conversations with, with family and friends sooner because the reality is they're going to happen anyways. It's just going to be in a much worse spot. Mm. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Oh gosh, I don't like to live in regret too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's probably times back in high school, I wish I wouldn't have done some things <laughs> um, or college. I look back and like, Whoa, what, 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 what was I saying? What was I doing? But you know, that's part of that maturity and just growing up. I think that's, that's it. But I don't like to live in regret too much because you know, you can learn from every, every situation you can learn from. I, I don't regret a business failure. It made me who I am. 
and yeah, I lost all my money and whatever, but I took a chance and I went after it. I, I don't see that as a negative. Mm-hmm. Now, this question, I was trying not to ask you this when you were um, telling your story because I knew it was going to be a question, but what is your definition of success? Um, it's to do authentic or to do meaningful work, authentic to myself, guided by my faith. And whatever that looks like is, is not really up to me, but that's, that's what I try to do every single day. That's my definition of success. Hmm. How do you recharge? Um, so short-term wise, uh, reading really, what really calms my brain down, chills me out. Um, you know, beautiful Saturday morning when you're having a cup of coffee, you're reading something that's that special or a cool story that really recharges me. The larger picture of that is we're in Kansas City, Missouri, so we have a Lake of the Ozarks close by. So my family has a lake house and a great-grandfather built. And so we go down there as a family and on the weekends in the summertime, and that really recharges me. I get to be around my niece and my cousins and my family, my sisters. And so um, family and that city, that situation where there's laughter and love really recharges me. Mm, Sounds beautiful. What are you awesome at? I think what I'm, it's a good question. I'm a pretty good encourager. Uh, I like to encourage people. I don't really dwell on negatives and I look past people's kind of like mistakes pretty quickly. So I think I'm a good, I think I'm awesome at encouraging people. Mm. What legacy do you want to leave? I want to be, I want to leave a legacy that when somebody talks about me, I, I had a positive impact on their life. I, I helped them get something they wanted. I helped guide them to where they wanted to be. That's the legacy I wanted. I want them to say, you know, he really helped me here, here, and here. Mm. Give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Um, let's go with this one. Let's go. Uh, you're never as good or as bad as you think you are. And so sometimes as entrepreneurs and we have our own businesses, the highs are high and the lows are low. But when you're hitting those spots, realize you're never as bad as you actually think you are. It may look bleak and may look whatever, but you're not as bad as that. And when the highs are high and and you kind of need a little bit of humble pie and be brought back down, just realize you're not as good as you think you are either. And that, that levelness will keep you growing over time up and up and up. Mm, That's pretty profound. Um, tell the listeners how they can connect with you. If someone wants to work with you with coaching, talk about your book and the whole nine yards. Yeah. So the best spot probably to get me as, is at my website called theintentionalday.com. From there, you can purchase the book that we talked about. It walks you through the psychology and the neuroscience of growth. And then it's actually a guidebook. So you actually write in it. You actually set goals. You actually create daily disciplines each day in there. And so that's the book you can purchase. Um, there's a mastermind group for ex-college athletes, if they're listening, that I, that I host. And there's also a, a leadership academy I have and some other stuff I do for uh, corporations. And so my website has all that information. And if you want to hear kind of my thought leadership stuff and some other things I talk about and post, Instagram's really the best spot to get me. And the handle is at ryan.performancecoach. Okay. Well, Ryan, I really enjoyed our conversation and I thank you for being on Trina Talk. It has been a pleasure and hopefully we'll stay in touch. Yeah, thank you for having me, Trina. I appreciated the time. If you like Trina Talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it 
five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.